Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. What's up? You're listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. The show starts every Thursday at 7 right here on Seattle Sports 710, broadcasting live from Bellevue Square Center Court. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Paul Moyer, a.k.a. Paul Moyer. How you feeling, man? <laughs> well, I'm feeling better. You know, Sunday was rough last week, and, you know, sometimes you get your butts kicked, and you got to admit it and, and move on. And, you know, I think we're all trying to analyze, you know, what are we right now uh, as a team? Well, here's what I know. We're 5-3. and three. We're in first place in the NFC West. Uh, we got a very winnable game this week, which will still be tough. This is not a. This is actually a pretty good football team, Washington. Not a great team, um, but they're good in just about everything they do. And and last week, you know, look, we ran into a buzzsaw. You know, you, you look at Baltimore. Baltimore scored over 30 points three games in a row. Beat Detroit like worse than us. Uh, and so we knew it was going to be a tough matchup. And I just didn't think we matched up well, or we didn't. Um, respond to their physicality uh, after going into that second quarter. And I guess the, the, my, my final comment is, well, we just got to play better. It was one of those offensive performances where you go, what was it? Yeah, Geno's got to play better. Offensive line got to play better. Wide receivers got to do a better job of getting o- open. The OC got to do a better job of creating things. It wasn't one thing. It was just a culmination of it. And you, you say, okay, we got to move on. You know what I feel like? Hmm. I feel like you just responded the way every fan wants to. Because all I did was ask you, how are you doing? And then you went into, hey, I'm, this is how I'm feeling. This is where we messed up. This is what we got to do. And this is how we get, get past that. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate the candid response. Because I feel like most fans feel like the way that you just articulated in this moment. Okay, well, if, how am I doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. My son just flew in with his family, my new granddaughter, who's, what, three, four weeks old. So life is good. I got no okay. complaints. Okay. Um, but I'm also paid to analyze what just happened with the Seahawks. And, <laughs> I feel you. And, you know, I have a little nervous energy, yeah. but I'm also going, like, we're five and three. We're in first place. We control our own destiny. We got two right. games coming up that we, we ought to get right. Uh, we got to play well. And, you know, get a chance to kind of figure out what we are the next two weeks. No, and I think that's important that you point that out. Good teams are going to get beat. Now, 37-3, one of the worst losses in Pete Carroll's history as a head coach of this football team. I've, I've been telling people all week, I go, look, this is the worst, one of the worst losses in his, uh, in his career over here. We should not expect another <laughs> one this year. It'll be fine. The Ravens did some things that um, complicated things for the offense and me I'm looking at the offense because I'm an offensive guy I go what could they have done better I think protection could have been better I think the routes could have could have been better decisions by Gino could have been better but you know what sometimes it'd be like that when you look at the defense what do you see I think the biggest uh issue we had last week let me go through their first six series first two series we make them punt play and play well uh, then they have a, a, a long drive, and there were some third-down situations we had a chance on. Uh, just didn't quite make the place. And there was times we actually had the perfect call. We were in perfect position, and Lamar Jackson is really good, and he's actually was faster than uh, Jordan Brooks on one play and got, a, got around the edge. And, you know, those things, those, those things happen. So the first six drives, I'm looking defensively. 
Um, we, we caused two, two punts, uh, two fumbles, or two turnovers we caused, and we gave up two touchdowns. It's 14 points in, in those six drives. You can live with that versus a really good team. Right. And we didn't answer it, obviously, offensively, but what was the biggest issue to me, uh, awareness you know, in in third down situations, you know, you don't want to be jumping a one-yard route on third and 13. We did a couple of those things that were head scratchers, and we just tackled poorly. Uh, we did, uh, you know, a lot of shoulder tackling, and that's what created some of those long runs. I don't think we actually played that bad, and I know statistically it looks horrible. You give up almost 300 yards rushing, 500 yards total offense. They had a 60-yard run, a 40-yard run, I, you know, I could decipher those pretty quickly uh, on that so never as good or as bad I know you guys hate to, to hearing that <laughs> but it's so true and I'm not going to say five plays completely changed that game but those five plays made it the score that it was rather than a closer game here's what happened as well Gino goes 13 of 28 for 157 and one interception the interception I want to say everyone everyone was involved in that right because um, Gino checks into a play Lockett doesn't get the play. He throws the football to where he's supposed to be. Geno Stone, the league leader when it comes to interceptions, he does his thing. So I look at this offense and I go, it was hard to get things going. And when you look at an offense who, only, who wants to rush the ball and they only do it 15 times for 50 or 28 yards, you know that something is off. And uh, I've talked to people all week. They're like, Bump, you got to run the ball. You got to run the ball. I go, yeah, run the ball is good when you're down 7-0. It's all right when you're down 14-0. Down 23-3, you need to score quickly. And I think that's what uh, the Ravens defense did. They forced this offense to play a game that they didn't necessarily want to play. All right, so I'm going to flip it on you. So what was it, though? I, is, was there one thing last week offensively? Because it, it, it was not a good performance. Yep. You know, we won for 12 on third down. Um, you know, we, we got behind, you know, it, it, that the, to me, the turning point of the game is it's 14 to three. We cause a turnover. At worst, you're thinking it's 14 to six. Right. Maybe we get to 14 to 10, and we turn the ball over the very next play, and we, we fall behind 17 yep. to three. But what did you see? Do you, and let's just start with the receivers. Start with receivers, okay? Well, I think you always need to start in the box. But no, we'll no. Start but with I the receivers. receivers. What I saw with the receivers was one miscommunication. You got to get on the same page. Two, you got to win your one-on-one battles. When it's one-on-one, this is the worst session in football to me. You go to football practice and you go through your individuals. It's a progression, right? Then you get to your one-on-ones. Receivers should win their one-on-one sessions 70% of the time, right? And then you get into your seven-on-seven, then you get on the team, you make your progressions there. We were not winning our one-on-one matchups. And I don't know if it was lack of effort, it was understanding what's going on, but I'm looking at the back end when these guys are in man or even in zone, and the Ravens did a good job passing routes off on zone and locking guys up one-on-ones. But I also want to talk about the, uh, the box, and I think that the Ravens did a great job of disguising a lot of what they're doing and confusing that offensive line because there's one example I've used three times this week. You got three linemen with their hand on the dirt on the right side of the line of scrimmage. You got a one, a one tech, a three tech, a five tech. Then you have a five tech on the left side of that line. The guard is uncovered. So now he's looking towards the linebacker. He's saying, all right, that's my guy. If he does not blitz 
or go, then I'm going to help my tackle out because the right side of the line is good to go. The backer stays. He drops into coverage. He helps out the tackle. The five tech on the other side wraps all the way around, and he blitzes, and he gets to the quarterback. So you got to tip your cap off to the Ravens and say, all right, you dial some things up. It always starts with the big boys up front. But the big boys were confused a little bit on the back end. They weren't getting open. And then you combine Geno not making the best decisions, recipe for disaster. So now I'm going to ask you, on the defensive end, what would you see? Well, again, I th- you know, sometimes you just get out coached too. And that's not a negative. I mean, we have really good coaches, but they get paid to, to coach and, and make plays too. And I thought they did some really cool things uh, against us. You know, just some routes, uh, the way they ran some of their, their running plays as well, just some mismatches. And then there's times where I go, oh, we're in a wrong gap. I mean, there was one on a goal line play and I mean, it was just, it was, I, I ran, a, I don't know, 20 times. And Dave Wyman and I kept talking about it. And I go, who is responsible for this? And I didn't know if we were in the wrong personnel grouping. And I think it was their second touchdown. And they were on uh, maybe the three or four yard line. And they ran, the, 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 the running back was offset to our left. It was just a simple dive play. And they double teamed, we had um, Daryl Taylor inside. They double teamed him. And it was kind of the C gap, and Bobby um, ended up hitting the gap outside. Actually, excuse me, it was the B gap. Bobby hit the gap outside, and I got on, or Diggs, who's got to make a play as the free safety on that. And I'm like, that just can't be right. I mean, that it, it can't be how we're playing things. You can't give up a, a gap that's – you can't give up the, the front side gap that's right in front of you. Right. you got to force it to at least go a little bit wider. So I thought they did some really good things against us from a scheme standpoint. You know, Lamar Jackson's tough. You know, again, they didn't hurt us in the passing game. We just, again, they came up third and two, third and three. They just kept, kept, kept converting on some of that stuff. And then in the second half, it, it just got away from us. You know, I just yep. thought we got really tired. You know, they had had twice as many uh, minutes per um, in possession time. And they're a physical football team. I think they just kind of wore us out. Time of possession. Thank you. Yeah. Um, third and eight plus. There was a third and 8, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, and 21. That's not advantageous for an offense. But you know what we get to do? Wrap it all up. Come back this week and get ready to go. So when we come back, man, we're going to dive into the next week's opponent. That's the Washington Commanders. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. This is Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Paul Moyer, man. Every Thursday right here on Seattle Sports 710, broadcasting live from the Bellevue Square Center Court. This is what we do. We do. We do do this. And then you get your bucks down here and start getting ready for Christmas shopping, man. Get ready. Get ready. Don't Christmas shopping last, is my nightmare. I'm not going to lie. It's my nightmare. I don't I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. And thankfully, my wife takes care of most of it for me. Oh, of course. There's many times where I've said, hey, can you open up your gift so I can know what I bought you? <laughs> um, but I, it's the one time I don't do the Amazon thing. I go, I, 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 want, I need to touch it. I need to, it, it's kind of like. You go to the store, you go to the Bellevue yes, Square. Yes, I Center come into Bellevue Square. Matter of fact, one of our shows, I will definitely be doing some Christmas shopping. I don't do that. I, I do, and it's kind of like writing a card, right? You handwrite it, 
it's, it's the thought that matters, right? It's not the gift. Mm. And besides that, I already know, I go, there's eight, you know, presents under the tree that I didn't buy for <laughs> and my kids, so. Not me. I will double click, have it delivered. Well, you're. The wife will wrap you're, it up. You're more millennial, right? I'm on that borderline. It's weird where I'm at. Because I, I qualify as millennial, but I identify with X. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm baby boomer. I mean, it's like I'm for sure. So, you know, it, I'm into the technology and all that, but there's still some things that I'm still a little old school on. All right. All right. Well, you know what you're not old school on? Hmm. These stats. All right. Bring stats don't lie. So let's talk well, about they can this. lie. Uh, yeah, they can lie. But at this point of the season, you still think they're lying? So let, let, all right, yeah. ask, me, ask me if these stats are lying. Okay. All right. So offensively, the Hawks are 20th in the league. Washington is 17th in the league. Defensively, this is overall, the Hawks are 25th in the league. The Commanders are 28th in the league. I always look at weeks 6, 7, 8 and say, okay, that's who that team is. Yeah, the only reason why I think it lies is we had one horrible game last week of yeah. 500 yards. And, you know, that obviously, you know, accentuated the – the, the, the rankings for us, you know, in the, in the wrong way. And we had played so well since week four of the season. Everybody was talking about we're the number one defense since week four. Right. And then we have one bad game, and now we can't play defense. Now, now, now you're garbage. We're five and two. We just beat Cleveland, the number one defense in the NFL. And everybody goes, oh, man, the Seahawks, they're, they're Super Bowl contenders for sure. They got everything. And now we need to bench Geno, and we can't coach, <laughs> and – we're horrible. Why did we trade for Leonard Williams and our defense is going nowhere? That's what one week. That's this. And I, so, you know, the social media, we, we've been battling the 12s a little bit. But it's also what I love about the 12s. You're so emotional. And it's emotion more than what we really see. We're a good football team. We played, we didn't play well last week. And it happens, like I said, sometimes you get your tails kicked. All right. So let's talk about what you're going to see or what we are going to see this year or this week. Howell, he's a three-year starter. He was a three-year starter at North Carolina. While he was there, my guy threw for 10,000 yards and 109 total touchdowns. He can play some football. Yeah, he can. Now, the commander said, look, we might have found our guy of the future. I heard that quote. I laughed. I looked at the stats. I looked at the film. I go, okay, they might be on to something. I've been saying this for the last couple of days. I think that Sam Howell physically – will be the bare minimum of the NFL quarterback in the next five years because he's mobile enough to get you. He's not a guy who's going to rush for close to 1,000 yards. He'll probably only rush for 200 yards, 300 yards at the max, but he's mobile enough to where the linebackers have to account for where he is at. And now I'm looking at how they're attacking defenses. They're second in the league when it comes to yards after the catch. That means that McLaurin, uh, Dotson, uh, Curtis – all these guys are getting the football, and they're getting loose, and they're settling down to who they are. When I look at Sam Howell, I go, you're better than what I thought. I'm not looking at film on Sam Howell week one, two, three, four, five, six. But when it's time for the Hawks to play him, I'm looking at the film, and I go, I understand why the commanders might think they found their guy. Yeah, I mean, look, he's six foot one, 220 pounds. He's just an athlete. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's second on the team in, in, in rushing yards with 157 yards. You know, you don't think of him as you – he's know, certainly not Lamar Jackson, but he can hurt you with his legs. 
And, you know, he's got good numbers. I mean, he's got 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions, a little high there. What's killed him <laughs> is he's taken 44 sacks already this year. Mm. 44 sacks. I mean, Russell Wilson last year did 53 for yeah. a whole season. Yeah. And, you know, through nine games, this guy's at 44. And, you know, hopefully he's at uh, 54 by, by the end of Sunday. But he's more than capable when they got guys that oh, – I'll tell you what our conversation, Bump and I, conversation during the break was. We both said, well, you know, they don't do anything bad. They're good at everything they do defensively and offensive, offensively. They just don't do anything great. You don't go, oh, my gosh, that's the greatest passing uh, – trio of wide receivers and quarterback. Oh, it's the greatest uh, protection of offensive line and tight ends. But they're good. They're good in everything they do. And so it's going to be a game. I mean, we're going to have to go take it away from them to win. And they've had some good game. I mean, they lost to Philly by six or it's seven, 38, 31. Uh, they got beat up pretty good against Buffalo. So their losses have been you know, against good teams. They had one real bad loss. That was to Chicago, 40 to 20. But I'm telling you, this is a good team. And, and here what they do. They get rid of, you know, Chase Young, who's fantastic, and they get rid of uh, Sweat as well. So you think defensively their front four is not going to be good. And what do they do? They go into New England and beat New England, who had just come off a win too. So I know you all think it's going to be an easy game. <laughs> not going to be an easy game. We're not playing great for any game to be easy. But it's a game that if we play to our capabilities, we should win this thing and be 6-3. and three. How has 2,471 passing yards, that's number two in the NFL. He has 14 touchdowns, that's number seven in the NFL, but he also leads the league with nine interceptions. Like Moyer said, he's been sacked 44 times. The Seahawks have only allowed nine second-half points in the last four games until last week. They allowed 20 points against the Ravens. So we're looking at this and we're saying, okay, you're not as bad as that game was against the Ravens. You have to understand that. But this is a game to where you have to reestablish yourself and say, look, all right, we got some guys. We can play some offense. We can play some defense. You have the commanders and the Rams these next two games before you get into that four-game gauntlet we're talking about. If you can win these next two, starting with this weekend, you walk out of here 7-3, and three, you feel really good about your chances going into that four-game gauntlet. Yeah, let's get to 6-3. and three. The Rams, you, we know, they, they always play us tough, and it's going to be down in L.A., even though we'll have a home field advantage because we'll probably have more 12s there than they will Ram fans. Um, but is there a must game, you know, when you're playing the ninth game of the season for you, right? We're 5-3, and three, it's our ninth game coming up. This is a must win. Yeah, for sure. For us to get to the goals that we have set, and that's to win the NFC West. We're tied in the NFC West at 5-3 and th three with San Francisco. They're going to get better. So we've got to make hay the next two weeks. And we just got to play better. I think more important, we just got to play better so we can feel confident as a team that we're, we're the type of team we thought we were going into the season and that the offense was going to be our strength, not our weakness. And so that's got to flip this week, and we just got to be playing at all levels. Special teams, offense, defense, coaches, start making plays again. Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom mm. to get back to it. I, 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 we're going to play well this week. All right, let's get it. You heard it here. Moyer says must win. Do you agree rock with me? Rock bottom, now we up. You agree Started with from me? the bottom, now we here, Moyer. I agree with you. Okay, I just need that in case it doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to be left on an island.
Hey, come join us here at Hogs Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you have a chance to win gift cards from the dining district at the Bellevue Collection. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Earl's Kitchen and Bar and Cypress Lounge mm. and Wine Bar at the Western Bellevue. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to the center of the Seahawks, Evan Brown. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. You are listening to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Pomus with my guy, Paul Moyer, every Thursday on 710 Seattle Sports. We're right here at Bellevue Square Center Court. Now we are talking to Evan Brown, the center for the Seattle Seahawks. Evan, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Hey, we're well. We are well, man. I, I am. Uh, I've I've done my research on you, Evan. As soon as you got signed, I go. All right, let me see what my guy was all about. Versatile lineman. You played the center spot. You played the guard spot. Um, I would assume that center has to be the toughest position. I always talk about the quarterbacks, how it's the toughest uh, position in sports. Uh, but I, I I put the center right behind that. What do you think about that? <laughs> um, I'd say from a, a mental aspect, yeah, it's, it's definitely up there on the, uh, the, the charts there for football in that aspect, but physical aspect, I mean, yeah, it's a, another position on the line, you know, we're, we're always fighting our butt off and just, you know, in constant little, uh, dog fights down there for sure. Well, it's, it's more than just physical. It's, it's mental as well. Um, which you, you got to have, obviously, you know, from protection, working with the, the quarterback. Is, is a center and a quarterback, is it similar? I don't, I don't know if you're a baseball guy, but, you know, we follow the Mariners and we, we think of Cal Raleigh working with the pitchers. Do you spend a lot of time, like a catcher and a pitcher do, with the quarterback during the week? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have we have our own times where, you know, the centers will meet with the quarterbacks, you know, going over uh, blitz protection early on in the week, you know, making sure we're on the same page with all our calls based upon what a defense will show, uh, you know, uh, checks at the line of scrimmage for our run game, stuff like that. So we're we're constantly meeting with those guys and just, you know, being on the same same page, making sure our communications there and, and making sure, you know, we're just seeing the same picture as, as we see it. Evan, um, when you guys are away, we watched the games together, the pre-halftime and post-game show, myself, Paul Moyer, Brian Walters, and, uh, and Ray Roberts. And we're sitting there, we're watching the game with Ray Roberts. He goes, man, I hate when defensive players point at me when I jump off sides or I, I fall start. So <laughs> then we're watching the game, and we see the center for the Ravens do the same thing to the defense, man. What's that like? What's that interaction like when one guy is false starting or jumping off sides? How intense is that? It, it looked crazy when we were watching it. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, yeah, you see you you emphasize overemphasize the the you know whether it's the false start or the the you know defensive encroachment or whatever they want to call. You overemphasize it. You know, you tend to get the call and you make it kind of obvious that you know the guy opposite you jumping. So I think that's all that is, and it looks pretty pretty funny for the fans. I'm sure. It looks fun. It looks fun. Well, it, that's all that matters, having fun. <laughs> hey, I, I'm looking at you last year. You, you, you start 12 games uh, at guard, and then the Seahawks sign you really as a center. It, do you have a preference, and, and which, which position do you feel you're at best? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if I, I always say if I were to, you know, market myself, I would say I'm a center who has the ability to play guard. I think center is a, a more natural position for me. It's, it's what I've played, you know, growing up all throughout, you know, 
uh, elementary, middle, high school, and into, into college, played both center and guard, but predominantly played center and then predominantly been a center in the league. Um, I think I can play guard. Pers- me personally, I I prefer left guard over right guard. So you know, I was playing right guard in uh, was that 2022 20, for Detroit. Um, but you know, it's the same thing I always say is you know, wherever the team needs me, wherever I feel like they feel like I can help the team the most, I'm willing to do so. Well, you, you've obviously been a pleasant surprise, and then there's been some, uh, you know, pro football focus, all those things, and, and where you're ranked right now. And there was, it was a week ago where they said you were the only center who had not given up a, a sack or a quarterback hit. I don't know if you agree with that because, you know, those are other people's opinions sometimes with, you know, wh- whether that was a hit or not. But how do you feel you've played this year? Yeah, I think I've been, been, you know, solid. I think I've had, you know, ups and downs. You know, uh, we've had, a, obviously, a, a moving offensive line, to say the least, with personnel, and it's just all about, you know, keeping that communication up with us. I think, you know, each guy who's come in and, and you know, done their part and their opportunity, and, you know, all the guys are capable. So, you know, I think we're, we're still gelling as an offensive line and definitely, uh, you know, hopefully trending in the right direction. You know, obviously, last weekend, not our, our best performance, but, you know, we look back at the film, uh, you know, see what we did wrong, you know, some obvious things that we got to correct and, you know, come back next week even better. Hey, Evan, what's that communication like with an offensive line that's constantly, right, having a couple guys in and out? Are there extra meetings that you call or is it um, just extra communication before practice, after practice? What's it like? Because um, as, as a fan and an analyst, we look at the situation and say, this has to be tough on these guys not having the same five the majority of the weeks. Yeah, I definitely think it is. Um, biggest thing, you know, among an offensive line is is playing together and those reps together. You you start to understand and know, you know, what a guy sees, how he fits a block, how he, he, you know, passes off a game. So, you know, the more reps you can get with a guy, the more you understand what he's going to do, you know, in certain situations, you just kind of build off that. So when you do have those moving parts, yeah, it's definitely an, uh, an adjustment to it. But you know, everybody's, everybody's capable that's out there. And it's just about, you know, making sure everybody's on the same page and, you know, that can go into, you know, some extra meeting time with guys, just talking to them about how they see this, how they think they're going to fit that, you know, on the field in the practice field, talking about, you know, your fits on run and pass and how they're seeing stuff and just that, you know, constant dialogue about, about what you're seeing, what you're feeling and, you know, turning that into game performances. Well, I'm going to take you back to uh, your high school days and college days. My, my son and his family just flew in today from Dallas-Fort Worth, and you went to uh, South Lake Carroll, which is in that Fort yes. Worth area. You know, talk about that, because w- my son p- played at Bellevue High School, and we, we played Katy, Texas. And there, look, man, it, the football in, in Texas is real. In South Lake Carroll, <laughs> we were watching film because there was a game. It, this is probably back in 2009 or 10. Where South Lake Care, I think it played Cadian. Wow, it was it was impressive. But just talk about your like your high school experience and how you ended up getting to SMU. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I I grew up in South Lake for you know nearly all my life. Uh, my parents moved there when I was you know three to six months old, give or take in that range. And I grew up there, loved every minute of it. Um, played football pretty much all my life growing up from second grade on. 
Uh, so I was starting on varsity as a sophomore, had an injury to my shoulder and had to get surgery there. So I was out that season, ended up winning state that season. So that's always a, a really nice. fond memory for me. Yeah, it was a, a big one there. So I went 16 and now that was the, you know, always the goal at South Legacy, you know, be playing past Thanksgiving, which is like the fourth week of the playoffs. So that was always the, the goal of our, you know, four out of six weeks of the thing. So then junior and senior years came and went, uh, made it to the third or fourth round each year there, ended up getting knocked out. And then, you know, I was recruited my senior year and ended up committing to uh, SMU. Uh, it was a good combination of, the, you know, the ability to play football at a high level and get a uh, great academic uh, background and, and degree for, you know, what I wanted to do, which was business and finance. So uh, committed there and then, you know, made my way to SMU and was a four-year starter there, played 47 or 48 out of 49 games missed one my entire career there and then obviously uh, after that undrafted to the Giants and then the NFL career started we had uh, JSN on last week and he went to Rockwall uh, high school and I was telling him about this new stadium they're building out there 150 million dollars for a high school stadium we're going to be around 20 some thousand what, what type of stadium was at, at South Lake Carroll and then again we, South Lake Carroll you guys is they're, they're a premier high school football team in Texas and, and across the country. But what were some of the crowds like when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember ever playing a game there when both sides of the stadium weren't completely sold out. You know, it's a town that supports its its Dragons. And, and yeah, I think our stadium seats, I don't know, they've expanded it a couple times since before I played and then after now, I think it seats pushing 20,000 now, I want to say. Amazing. But, um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a great atmosphere to play in, and, and that's, that's high school football in Texas. It's, it's the real deal. Evan, we call what you just did a flex, right? <laughs> you let us know how great football is in the state of Texas. I'm from hey, California, you know, so we, it is. we, we ah. like to think that California is great. You know what I mean? But you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll tip our cap to Texas, man. Before yeah, we get see, out of all here. Those, all those California schools, they're allowed, they're allowed to recruit, and, you know, they bring in people from all Whoa. over the, the city Whoa. for these couple couple big Whoa. big teams where, you know, we, we get who lives inside our city limits, Evan. and that's it. We're not allowed to Evan. recruit. <laughs> Only private schools can recruit, Evan, okay? Ah, those are the big names, you know? Those are the big name schools that you hear in the, the national headlines. You know what? You just became one of my favorite players because I feel like we can have a beer and talk some stuff back and forth. Man. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I, I appreciate that about you, man. And I appreciate how you've um, kind of stepped into the leadership role with this offensive line. We've spoken to many players, man, Olu, um, Anthony Bradford, and they all defer to you, man. So for you to come over here and kind of take the lead, man, we appreciate you and we appreciate your time. And uh, let's have a beer and toss some Texas Cali football when we get a chance, man. <laughs> hey, absolutely, and I appreciate that. All right, man, that's awesome. All right, give it a one time for Evan Brown. When we return, we will go around the NFL. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. You know what? We did a little audible. Omaha, Omaha. We got Jerry Reed joining us right now, man. Jerry, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good, man. I'm curious to be on this show again. Hey, we appreciate you. I was so hyped, man. I know that the score was out of hand or whatnot, but I saw you get in and fly downhill and smack a man 
We were hyped to see you make a play, man. We appreciate just the intensity that you play with. No, for sure, man. I just think that's just a part of my game that I said when I got here, just bringing that energy, just bringing that different vibe that this team needs. Um, and just doing my part, playing my role, and just helping this team win games. You know, when you look at uh, who they've drafted, you know, mm-hmm. talking about you, and, and, and Witherspoon, too. And one thing they brought is guys who are physical. And mm-hmm. I really think that's one of the big emphasis on that. Has that always been your game? Look, you're not the biggest guy in the world, but, man, you play big. For sure. Um, I, it grew into me. Uh, once I realized that football is a sport that I'm going to be playing, that I have to be, bring that physicality nature. And um, like you said, the guys they brought in from me, Spoon, Charbonnet, Bobo, we're all physical nature, you know, and I think that's what we need to, one, play this game, but the identity and the DNA of this team. I mean, you can go all the way back to Legion of Boom and those days. You see how physical those guys are. The rules have changed, so we can't be that physical, yeah, but hard. we can be as physical as the rules allow us to be, you know, and I think that's what we need, and you see how good our defense is because of that. I'm glad you bring that up because I feel like your generation is the first ones to really play with both rules. Yeah. Like, growing up, I'm sure you were taught, stick your face in the tackle, like run Put through Put the screws dude. into his numbers the whole night, yeah. Exactly, right? So now, as you make your climb, you get into college, they change things a little bit, you get to the NFL, you can't touch nobody. Uh, what's, what, type of, what type of transition has that been like for you? Uh, just You just got to enhance your skill set. You know, you can't just rely on just knocking the guy out and think you're going to get away with it. You got to, like, take the time and do it throughout the offseason, throughout your training, work on your footwork, work on your technique, work on getting out in and out of breaks without touching the receiver when it comes to covering. And just, you know, just learning the, learning the game. You know, the game is, is going to keep evolving. And the, the more you can adapt and get better at that, the longer you last in this league. And I think that's pretty big for our generation. And some guys figure it out, some guys don't. Oh, it, it, it has changed. You're too young to remember me. I was safety, and back in my, my days with the Seahawks, it was Kenny Easley and Dave Brown. You was hidden? You oh, was coming down yeah. here? Well, you didn't, they didn't come across the middle. Bang! And then on top of that, we had 63 <laughs> turnovers. We created 37 interceptions, which, again, before flight, flight. the Legion of Boom. Keep going, keep going. Oh, flight, sorry. <laughs> keep but going. you were in eighth grade when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl with the Legion of Boom. Mm-hmm. Did you really know who the Legion of Boom was back then? I really did. You yeah. know, the, like my position playing DB, I, how could you not know Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas? I got to put my, my boy KJ right in there. Like, how yeah. can you not know those guys? You know, Richard Sherman, those guys laid the foundation for one, the Seattle Seahawks, but just DBs and that physical nature and as a whole. You know, you want to be those guys. You looked up to those guys. And those guys' names still hold weight to this day. And any team, any league, any category, it still holds weight. We still talk about it 10 years. 10 years ago, you know, so it's just like that's how the impact they have in this game is very big. And me being a DB, I looked up to that. And as you said, a great I was paying attention to it. I didn't know the ins and outs to a T, but you knew when they ran down there and knocked somebody out, you know what was going on. You know, you cheer for that. So us being former ball players, we know, right? Tough game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You show up on Monday, you wash it away, then you get back to work. Um, what's that process like for you guys? Is it as simple as that? I, I would assume it is because we've been in those positions. When I played for the Hawks, we weren't very good, so we had to do that uh, yeah, a, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what's that process like for you guys? Uh, it's just part of the game, man. You got to just take it, live up to it, you know, and just move on from it. And it's, it is that simple for some guys, and some guys it's not. You know, they take it harder. You know, they get frustrated with themselves. They really look in the mirror and try to change things. And sometimes you need to, sometimes you don't. You know, we're in the National Football League. It's hard to win in this league. And the game we just play, we play against one of the best. The top in the, top in the 
their conference the top of the NFL in general. And so you can't really beat yourself up. It was a bad loss. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat that. It was a very bad loss, and we wasn't expecting to lose that bad or lose at all. But, you know, it's, just, it's a long season. We're in week 10 of a 20-some week season. So it's, you, know, you just got to learn from your mistakes, get better, correct yourself, be honest with yourself, and just carry on with it and hope to win the next game and the next game and all the way up to the Super Bowl. They, they always say it's never as good or as bad as you think it is. Um, so when you watch the film, and, mm-hmm. and look, Baltimore is not only are they a really good team, they're, they're hot. Yeah. You know, so you, you got, you got the double whammy there. Yeah. But after you watch the film and you go through the, all the corrections, and there's some of it was tackling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Look, we're shoulder tackling, maybe getting tired. Maybe it was some scheme. I thought they did some really cool things against you guys as yeah. well. But after you look at that, you go, you know, if we played those five or six plays better and we played them again, we can shut them down. Yeah. Do you feel that after watching it? I think you said you hit it on the tee. You know, there's a lot of missed tackles, and they have coaches in film just like we have coaches in film. You know, they realized that when it came to our run defense, we was very good. And I guess that when they watched film, they found something that, that we was lacking, and they exploited that, and we needed that. And I'm glad that it happened so soon as in week nine because, like I said earlier, we have a long season ahead. And they just expose our deficiencies, and now we can just work on those, seal those up, and we won't have that problem again. You know, and um, I mean, this is, like I keep saying, it's the National Football League, Tough man. Game. These guys are good, just like we're good. And, you know, you just got to keep getting better, keep evolving, keep correcting mistakes, and, and just hope that you, at the end, you're going to have a great season. Now, w- one of the th- things I love about interviewing younger guys, first year, second year mm-hmm. in the league, is that I get to watch you guys grow, you know? And uh, you seem like, of, of all the rookies, you've kind of been the same this whole time. I want to say you're one of the more mature guys when it comes to Appreciate this. It. Where do you get that from? Is that mom? Is that dad? Family? Like, where, where does this Jared Reed come from? Mom, brother, the environment I grew up in, you know, just learn to adapt quickly. You know, you can't use the, the, the saying that, oh, I'm young, I can make these mistakes. I mean, you can, but for how long, you know? And then just being brought into this system and this organization with the best and leadership that we have, it's kind of hard to just be complacent and be immature because they're not going to put up with it, you know? Because like I said, we have so many great pieces and assets on this team right now that it's like, why not be successful now? Some guys are on their back end of their career. They only have one, two more years, and they're not trying to wait and just play around and joke about that. This is their livelihood. This is their lives. They have families to take care of. And so for me coming as a rookie, I feel like I, I'm doing them a disservice if I'm not taking this very seriously. And I do. I still have my fun. I still enjoy it. I still joke around and play. But it's just like at certain times you have to lock in and do your job. And sometimes, you know, you can joke around and play. And I think for me it's just being around Quandre, Jamal, B-Wag, Gino, and I just see how they go about things. I just want to be like them but add my own flavor to it as well. Right. And so it's just that's just me. You know, everybody's journey's different. You know, there's some guys who are five-star recruits and they're mm-hmm. first-round picks. Uh, you were a ju- JUCO kid, junior college. I was a JUCO kid down in Southern California. Okay. There's not a lot of great JUCO, um, I don't want to say teens, but uh, I want to almost say community. It, it is in California. They, they, we've lost it up here in the state of Washington. Yeah. I don't even know if there's any more. The, uh, it's in up certain here. areas, yeah. And, and then you, you know, again, you're all a branch Mississippi. I know there's some good JUCOs there. In the South, 100%. Talk about, uh, I graduated from high school when I was 17. I think you were young, too. Yeah, I, I, I graduated at 17 as well. Talk, talk about that journey. Why, why did you go to JUCO? How did you end up at New Mexico? Um, the reason I went to JUCO is because I, 
I had a good senior, I had a good high school career, but because of my size, schools didn't want to pull that trigger when it came to like big division one SEC schools. And so I was committed to UT Martin, an FCS D1AA school. Yeah. And I was honestly just, I was going to go there and just live out my career and do what I did there. A JUCO coach came to me and asked me that I want to go bigger, that I see myself playing on a bigger level. I was like, of course. And so um, he showed me a, a, a clipboard, had 12 names. He said, these two years, these 12 guys all went Division One from playing under me. You come and give me one year, I'll have you at the next level. And so I went, did my six months, did my one mm -hmm. season. He got me that Division One offer to New Mexico. He got my stipend check, Division One lifestyle, the whole nine. And then I just wrote it out my four years in New Mexico. And it panned out, you know, got drafted to CSC Hawks and been going great since then. Man, how, how was it in New Mexico? Because you, you're coming from the South, the, you, the Southwest, you know, that, that had to be a little bit of change for you right there. A hundred percent. I never left Mississippi. I, I took trips, obviously, but like living somewhere else and especially 16 hours away in a whole different region of the United States. Um, it was very different at first, you know, adapting to that, not being around like my own people, my own culture, my own music, my own food and having to adapt and enjoy new stuff, learn how to eat enchiladas and green chili, <laughs> you know. That was a whole another conversation and then just not even having that soul food anymore. But right. you know, it's just part of the journey. Football takes you a lot of places, it opens a lot of doors and from Mississippi to New Mexico to the Pacific Northwest, you know, I just keep going further and further away from home. <laughs> but I'm just learning to adapt and enjoy what, and just take your, it all in. What's your favorite Mexican food? What, what you like most? I love burrito tacos, man. Yeah. I love them. I got my little spot back in New Mexico. I went back uh, doing a bye week, uh, La Galaguesa, man. It's a local, local, authentic Mexican spot. Yep. They honestly don't speak English when you walk in. They don't take credit cards. It's straight cash. Straight it's cash one, it's one of those places. <laughs> but it's like the best tacos you can get, though. First time I saw you, uh, it was during uh, camp, and you were, it was practice, and you were playing the nickel, and you were on a, a wide receiver, and I, I watched your footwork, and I went, oh, this kid is quick. I mean, he, he, he's, got, he's got a game on, on everything. But then I, I, I saw you, you're a snowboarder on top of this. Mm -hmm. So tell me just all of your athletic ability. What did you do in high school other than football? How in the heck a man from Mississippi get on a snowboard? Snowboard. <laughs> it's traveling to New Mexico, but no, in, uh, in high school I did basketball, track, I was on a bowling team, just really just tried to test all the waters and figure out what did I really like and what am I actually good at, and I was good at all of those things, you know, very athletic, you know, thank you God, um, but how I ended up on a snowboard was literally just stepping out of my comfort zone, I went to New Mexico, I made friends with guys who wasn't athletes, so like my classmates, and so on the weekends, they like to do cabin trips, going to Purgatory in Colorado, uh, Angel Fire in New Mexico, just taking those trips and just exploring. And I never experienced that before, never saw mountains before, never <laughs> slid down a, uh, a slope before. But you know, they took me there. You know, it, it was a rough day. I fell a lot of times, but <laughs> that's part of the journey. Like I said, you gotta enjoy it, man. And um, a great experience, and I've just been snowboarding ever since. 30 minutes away, you got some, some snowboarding here. I seen, I went to Vancouver before I even knew I was gonna come here, got drafted here and everything. I took a trip to Vancouver, same thing, hit the slopes. And um, I know it, it's a lot of snowboarding out here. I got some friends out here, um, Jaden Edwards, she plays soccer in New Mexico, I mean, she played pro with the OL Reign. So she has a cabin, I don't know if it's north, I think it's north, I don't know. She got a cabin somewhere and they, and they do snowboarding Probably and skiing north. a lot and so it's just, I just keep, keep that in my, in my arsenal, though. I like to do that in the offseason and free time. I don't know if it's in your arsenal yet, but what, what's that golf game like? 
Come on, man. You know I can't golf. You already know that. You know I can't golf. Give me 10 years, 10, 12 years when I'm on the back end of my career. I'm retiring. You know how that Love goes. That. And I'll learn. How, I'll learn eventually. If, but if I suck at golf. If there's anything I can tell you, just pick up a golf club and swing it. Just, just swing it out. I know back end you'll You're take care of it. Just I swing it. I suck at golf. Yeah, like top you do golf, now, but you will be good. Shooting, I suck at golf. It's terrible. Everyone sucks at golf. Just throw that out there for you. I give it. I give it to him. Like Tiger Woods, man. If you if you listening to this, your sport is harder than football. I can say that. <laughs> I can say that. There we go. Hey, well, Jared, man, we appreciate you taking time on for a Thursday. Sure, give it up one more time for Jared Reed. Thank you guys, All man. Right. Appreciate you guys for having me on the show. Nah, yes, sir. You're awesome. When we Thank return, you. we'll go around the NFL. That's next, right here on Hawks Live. <laughs>